Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Spartan Pride Podcast. Jonathan Shop here with you. Fans first. Sports Network as the calendar starts climbing through the peak of summer if you like the long days. If you like long days, long days are here again. So I hope you're out there enjoying it. Maybe we'll give you a couple things to think about or listen to on the way to your favorite fishing hole, golf course, spring slash summer workout, whether football, baseball, golf, whatever. Always good to be thinking Michigan State Athletics. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And also, you've got to be thinking, influence of the NIL. Last week, there was big news about the NIL. Today we're going to talk a bit about that, its impact on Spartan football, its impact on Spartan basketball, and maybe some impact around the Big Ten. All NIL is not created equal right now. That we can say for sure. And we're going to talk a bit about what the IRS did, what it may mean for Michigan State, right here 
on the Fans First Sports Network on the Spartan Pride Podcast. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Jonathan Shot back with you, Spartan Pride Podcast, talking IRS and NIL. How exciting and fun is that to talk about? The memo Friday from the IRS said that NIL collectives cannot claim to be tax exempt. That means something that may mean a lot for a lot of places that have bigger NIL collectives. It means donors are likely unable to deduct donations to those collectives from their income. It's possible this could slow down investment into collectives which of course have driven a lot of transfer portal activity, including what we've seen at Michigan State as recently as earlier this summer. If you look around college athletics, if you look around even the Big Ten, there's collectives that advertise that, hey, your donations are tax deductible. Not everybody who's been contributing to the collectives has bought into that, however, And if you're wondering why some schools or universities have been delayed in hitting the gas pedal on their collectives and building them up, this may be part of a reason why. Folks that have a lot of money also have a lot of tax responsibility and are absolutely consistent in looking for ways to manage their taxes. Not dodge them, but manage them. I can tell you that as I've done work in financial planning before I became a lawyer and before I even started working with Spartan Nation. And on a regular basis, the work I do does involve some deductibility of taxes and managing taxes as well. So this is not a little speed bump. This is a potential big hole in the road for the dark money collectives, if you will. Is their money all dark? I don't know. That's for you to decide. But I know this is not very open. And right now, the IRS is essentially sending a warning out that you better be careful with your income tax deductions if you're thinking that your NIL collective donation is just going to go down smoothly. Collectives, of course, are the operators in the shadows right now. They're the ones approaching players, and maybe we saw that at Pittsburgh with maybe the most infamous transfer portal uh, situation actually affected the Peach Bowl that Michigan State and Pittsburgh played a couple years back, and now young Addison has been drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. But somebody had to approach him, and it looks like they did before he decided to transfer from Pitt to Southern Cal. Collectives are a bit unknown right now. At Michigan State, there's been more transparency than most places with high-profile donors like Matt Ishbia stepping forward. 
Draymond Green as well, although that was before the NIL took place. And I wouldn't be surprised, although I don't have any inside knowledge, I would not be surprised if Michigan State has a big donor that steps up with some NIL money to maybe replace what Ishbia had been paying to the players and students at Michigan State. If you look around the country, the largest collective that there appears to be right now is Tennessee. Um, there's been reports of them north of 10 million. One report I saw even said 20 million, but you know that's a little bit uncertain. There are some schools that are operating a lot more in the shadows and may have raised and have used a lot more money, but it's really something that's gonna be very difficult to track down if you ever can track it down. So the memo last week is important. It's got an impact. It should have your attention, but it did come out on a Friday, which often gets overlooked and is often the time that news is dropped that some folks want you to overlook. We're going to talk about it more in a minute. You're listening to the Spartan Pride Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. Spartan Pride Podcast, Jonathan Shop back here with you. The IRS memo last week that came out late suggests most collectives do not deserve a tax-exempt status known as a 501c3 because they're operating for a substantial non-exempt purpose serving the private interests of student-athletes. This is not a law podcast nor a tax podcast, and I'm not really an expert in either one, but just taking the basics of what that says there, I find it very hard to argue that collectives were doing anything but serving private interests of student athletes. They're private citizens. They're paying the money to go to their school and play. I don't know how you can spin that another way. Now, surely there's already collectives trying to off the record or without identifying themselves say they're not worried because their tax people say there's not going to be any kind of penalty and even if there is they don't expect to be penalized but I would do not think that's very wise at all that is a risk that is being taken Michigan State was a bit ahead of the curve with the NIL Michigan State the great benefit of having Matt Ishbia be right there in the front essentially saying in public, here's what I'm going to do on a regular basis or monthly basis for players to compensate them via NIL. That's a whole lot different than what's going on at Tennessee, Texas, Southern Cal, what's going on or not going on at Miami of Florida, Georgia, and so on. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have to pay attention to this a little bit. And now that the IRS is involved and has released a memo that's really the first step in the process of them drilling down and narrowing down a focus on these collectives. It's always been part of college sports is a deduction tax deductible or boosters donating to a program or is a trust donating to the program, etc. But rules and laws have changed back in the 90s through today, there's been tax rules that have changed what could be written off, what could not. Some of you out there probably know because your own taxes have been affected by changes in charitable donations and um, write-offs, what could be deducted 50% of 
entertainment, meals, beverage for your business, etc. This is one to watch. Any organization that claims to be a 501c3 has got to pass a test, essentially a two-part test that is looking for, are you just um, giving money to an athlete to run a camp for unprivileged kids, for example? Um, or are you doing something seriously to benefit, like actual benefit, uh, tennis, golf event, whatever it is, to benefit your local girls and boys club, to benefit your local brothers and sisters program, and so on. It gets tricky when you're raising millions of dollars and you're giving a huge chunk of it to a specific person, in this case, to a student athlete. This is not a 50-50 raffle. Some of you are old enough to remember an issue that Michigan State uh, had with 50-50 raffles and the organization that was sponsoring them at Spartan Stadium for years and change in name and change in setup. And maybe those were big changes, maybe they weren't, but you may be familiar that there was, a, there was an issue there. And the IRS is saying, hey, there's an issue. If you're raising all this money and giving it directly to players, you're not going to pass a smell test that says about half of it's going to um, operation, half of it's going to charity. So you need to stay tuned on this one. Maybe it's teeing up revenue sharing. I saw a couple of articles since Friday dropped, since Friday's memo dropped from the IRS suggesting that this may help spurn on revenue sharing with college athletes. Something that's been talked about briefly at the Big Ten level, something that Jim Harbaugh has gone on the record for, something that different coaches around the sport do not want to touch, and I think that's probably the best way to go. We're talking about completely uncharted waters if we're going to start talking revenue sharing with so-called student-athletes. I'm not sure what the answer on the NIL is, but about... 12 years ago, it came to me that maybe that was time to reword the scholarship contracts for revenue-producing sports. There is a pretty good argument to make that the scholarships could be rewarded in such a way that would pay student-athletes essentially a student employment rate while they're playing the games. You're looking at about two games a week during the basketball season, sometimes more, sometimes, of course, just one. And for football, obviously, a game a week, 12 times a year during the regular season. It struck me odd that that didn't catch more momentum because it's not an original. It is an idea I came up with, but I'm very sure someone else has thought of the same idea before. I know some folks around Michigan State Athletics at the time thought that was an interesting idea. And maybe some folks around the Big Ten today wish that that would have been something that had seriously been taken for consideration. What this suggests is that the IRS is now zooming in and taking a look behind the curtain of collectives and they will find out a lot about what's going on in them because they will get individual returns, corporate returns, et cetera, 
And sometimes the numbers don't match up and hey, maybe that sends a little red flag and people are starting to look around a little deeper. That I think is what the IRS memo was saying. What comes out of it is uncertain at this time. The idea of revenue sharing with college athletes is going to be so extraordinarily foreign and distasteful for some long-time college athletic fans that they will probably tune out. The question is, will there be enough more tuning in to keep this machine going as college sports and, of course, football being the main one, have become a bigger and bigger dollar-producing venue? Tough questions are ahead for college sports. Leadership appears to be remarkably lacking. We've seen college basketball take a pretty big spill in the past decade or so. Folks are now worried about college football doing the same, watering down product, confusing conferences, not being very organized, not being very disciplined, and completely taking a barely level playing field where you might have had 40 teams in the country be able to compete for a national title and sending it maybe to an era where you've got less than 10. And if you're not with it, take a look around at how many teams this year Right now in June, you think can legitimately compete for a national championship. If things don't change relative to the NIL and collectives, revenue sharing, this playing field across college football is going to get a whole lot less level. And there will be a whole lot fewer teams and programs that can compete for a national championship. That is where this is going fast. I think it's a good thing that the IRS is starting to say, hey, you just can't go free willy-nilly with these collectives. We need to know what's going on, and you can't just deduct all this kind of stuff thinking, well, it's okay. It was set up as a 501c3. Well, if it doesn't act like one, you may have to pay some tax on it. And if you don't, you may have an actual criminal problem, which is a whole lot worse than trying to flip a four-star or get a transfer portal to come fill in a hole on an offensive line or even as a place kicker. I'm Jonathan Shop. You listen to the Spartan Pride podcast right here on the Fans First Sports Network. We will be back very soon. SpartanPridePodcast at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, opinions, or questions. Like, subscribe, share, marinate, etc. And come back soon on the Spartan Pride Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network.